How's it going, coaches? Want to give you a quick reminder that this week is our 50,000 download giveaway. So each day we will have a new giveaway by a new sponsor this week. Uh, all you have to do is retweet our tweet, uh, use the link that we put in our tweet to sign up, and then follow our sponsor for the day. That will register you to win uh, one of those giveaways for the day. We're really excited to be able to do this for you guys and hope you guys really enjoy some of the prizes our sponsors are giving away. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Powerlift. We don't just like Powerlift because of their awesome name. We also use Powerlift at Broken Arrow and Ankeny to design both of our facilities. They not only have a great product, they're also a bunch of good dudes. They don't come off as those greasy, bad car salesmen that you just run into a lot of the time. Instead, you get to work with guys like former guest J.R. Conrad, guys that truly care about the game and your football team and want to help build your strength program. Powerlift is a trusted program that has designed the University of Oklahoma, University of Iowa, Baylor University, and Modern Day High School's weight facility just here in the last few years, along with, obviously, many, many more. Let Powerlift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose Powerlift. Powerful ideas, powerful results, made in the USA. Go check out Powerlift at powerlift.com. Our other powerful sponsor, Sideline Power. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their program to the next level with the new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of players and program development. From NFL-level coaching communication to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at a price point for every program. Family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality, Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit sidelinepower.com, email info at sidelinepower.com, or call 800-496-4290 for Sideline Power. Episode is also brought to you by Skycoach. Skycoach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. 24-7 support, flexible network that works in any stadium and in any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. And not to mention... An awesome butt shot in game uh, that actually works. To be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Sky Coach, the market leader in sideline replay. Visit the people over at Sky Coach at myskycoach.com to learn even more. And last but certainly not least, uh, they've been with us since the beginning Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents, guaranteed. Visit Team Attack Academy at teamattackacademy.com. On today's episode of RTP, we talk with Corey Hines. Coach Hines is the head coach at Legacy High School in Broomfield, Colorado. Prior to Legacy, Coach Hines was the tight ends and running backs coach at Missouri Southern for head coach Denver Johnson. Listen as we talk with Coach Hines about his experience playing at the University of Tulsa for Gus Malzahn, working as a GA with Coach Walls on both sides of the football, 
and some of the differences between high school and college football. You can follow Coach Hines on Twitter at Coach underscore Hines. Hope you guys enjoy. But I knew I wanted to get you on because I've been getting a lot of questions. We have a ton of guys that, that ask us about, you know, no huddle, up-tempo. And I had a guy actually out in South Carolina, I believe, Coach Mackey, and he was asking me, hey, you know, Coach Walls, what, what was the difference between, you know, Chad Morris, tempo spread, and Gus Malzahn, tempo spread? And actually, I'm like, you know what? I can maybe take my best guess at it, but I know a few people who would know the difference between those. So I guess that was kind of the, the early intro to, that got me thinking about Coach Hines. I'm like, well, he knows both those guys, so let's get Hines on. Cool, cool. Not, not very many differences, really. Chad's pass game is different, but, um, yeah, there's not, there's not a whole lot of difference, really. <laughs> that was the thing I couldn't really tell. I knew, and I knew that uh, he'd kind of studied from Gus, hadn't he? Isn't that one of the reasons why he got hired at Tulsa, Chad? Yeah, like when he was at Stephenville, he went to um, because he he had a rough year, I guess, in Stephenville. So the story I've been told goes, and uh, he went and studied at Springdale under Gus, and that's when um, Chad started turning his offensive career around. And so, um, you know, and and then Chad kind of did it his own way. But when Chad got to Tulsa, he used basically mostly the same terminology that we did. Um, you know, he, he changed a few things and actually simplified a few things. Um, you know, for instance, like Malzahn, um, twins could be one formation, you know, one week, and but twins could be another formation the next week. It just depended. Like it was all game planned. And Chad really simplified – um, you know, what each formation looked like, what each play looked like each week and stuff like that. Whereas, um, you know, Gus was purely a game plan guy and everything changed week to week. Um, but the other difference with Chad is Chad wasn't going to run power to the right and counter the left only like, like coach Malzahn does, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then, um, but, but the terminology, the signaling, um, all of that was, you know, gosh, guys, we're going on. 10 years now, but 10 years ago, it was very, very, very similar. Um, so it was, I mean, pretty, pretty, pretty identical really into what they were doing. I would say, you know, for the, what I got out of Morris's past game was, um, you know, a little bit different than what Malzahn was doing. Malzahn was basically a boundary pass guy and Chad was going to have a lot more full field reads in there for you, a lot more shallow concepts and, stuff like that. It's more air raid concepts that he was doing at the time. Um, rather than Gus was purely a play action guy, boundary concept type of guy. Um, you know, he had some other stuff mixed in and then, and then Malzahn was going to shoot it down the field as far as it could, you know, and, and Chad was a little bit more deliberate in how he's going to do that. So, and then, and then I think Chad at the time, you know, um, he started dabbling in more of the, of the run game. Um, with the quarterback than, than what Gus was doing. Now, granted, we had Paul Smith yeah. and David Johnson who couldn't, who couldn't run great. Yeah, that's what um, I was going to ask you. I mean, 
obviously they when he was at Tulsa, I mean, he was slinging it all over the place, throwing for for four grand. So so Chad was kind of the first guy to go with the running QB, and then obviously Gus kind of went to it when he had a guy by the name of Cam Newton, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's when all the power read stuff started heavy. But you know what? The, the difference. I mean, you got to remember in in '07 when we started running this stuff, we were the yeah. first team to really go fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, there was a lot of no huddle teams, but there were very few teams that were lining up and, and trying to run plays, you know, at what you see Baylor doing all the time now or used to be doing. Yep. Um, you know, we were, we were – a lot of guys would get up to the line of scrimmage and check the sideline six times, whereas we were going to mm-hmm. go and snap the ball. Um, you know, and, and Malzahn um, was different in the fact that he, he was the first guy I knew that was calling plays while play was still going on, you know, because back then the, the terminology, you didn't have one-word play calls. Um, so he was legitimately calling plays while another play was being run, um, to start getting a signal in. I mean, he was pretty incredible at what he knowing what he wanted to run next. Um, you know, and that's how we went so fast. I mean, he was just really, really good at, at landmarking plays and, and knowing exactly what he was going to call on what hash and, um, you know, going through it that way. He's brilliant that way. So I don't know if he's still doing that or, or not, but. He was really good that way. Did did he have a did he have a script going into the game, or did, was it all off the cuff the entire time? No, he scripted, uh, and I want to say he had his first nine. First nine. Um, I could be wrong. He he might even had twelve. I don't remember exactly. I feel like it was nine. Um, you know, and it was same thing everybody's going to try to do, right? You know, how are you going to react to this motion? How are you going to react to this formation? Sure. Um, the one thing about Malzahn is he was always going to have a reverse in there early. He was always going to have a shot in there early. Um, so some sort of misdirection, some sort of shot down the field to make sure you're, um, you know, you, you know that you were going to shoot a deep, you know, I don't know if he's, again, I don't know if he's still doing that or not, but um, every week we had a reverse in the first five plays. You know, and then we were going to run at least two specials a half. Um, and he had those scripted in, you know, basically whatever landmark we got to, you know, um, and whenever we got to that landmark, here's the first trick play we were going to run. Here's the second, you know, and then you go the second half, you need to have two more lined out. Um, and, and he was really good about calling them. So made things fun. You know, we always had a specials period every week. Um, and they were they were always different, you know. He had the hide the midget play, and we were kind of the first ones to do that. We were running swinging gate out of timeouts. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, just crazy stuff, crazy stuff. So it was a lot of fun, though. It was a lot of fun to be a part of. Let's say, what would it be like for like meetings and stuff like that? I mean, it, to me, he always seemed like a guy that was like ultra confident, and you know, hey man, we're we're gonna score. 45 points and I bet he'd just kind of tell you guys and exude that confidence to you I mean what was it like kind of sitting in meetings and listening to him talk and tell you guys the game plan well I always thought it was funny because he'd walk up to our linebackers and and pregame you know and um he'd ask guys like Chris Chamberlain all the time and he'd say you know hey Chris are we gonna hold him under 30 and (laughs) and uh Chambo would you know and yeah, coach, we'll hold him on a 30. All right, then we'll win big, you know, and he, he was just super confident that way. And I think he would have been, if we held teams on the 30 in every game, I think we would have won every game in 07 and 08. Um, 
So, I mean, he, he just knew, he knew that he wasn't going to be, be stopped in most games and, and most games back then we weren't, you know? Um, so, I mean, we, we were putting up monster numbers back then and it was, yeah, it was pretty fun. I mean, meetings every day. Um, he usually met with us as a skill group every day. Um, it, it was rare that we had, I wouldn't say rare, but I'd say once a week is when we only had, you know, pure position meetings. For the most part, we were going to meet as a skill group at least twice a week, if not three times a week. Um, he wanted the quarterbacks and receivers to be on the same page. And I thought that was awesome. You know, and I had two of the best receiver coaches you could have ever played for and Bill Blankship and Mike Norvell. Um, yep. But, you know, I thought it was awesome that we met so much as a skill group because you knew exactly what Malzahn wanted and the same stuff that was coming out of Norvell or Blank's mouth was, was what Malzahn was saying, which I always thought was awesome. And the quarterbacks were hearing it, receivers were hearing it. And so I thought that part of it was really cool. You know, once you got to Tuesday and the game plan was going in, um, you kind of knew what was happening. When so, you, you know, you, know, you, you kind of mentioned that that was – the first team or one of the first teams that really started going that high up tempo, see how many snaps you can get. Was that a big change for you? Uh, you know, were you, were you in an offense kind of similar to that at all, maybe even in high school or, or was it just a completely new change, change up for you? No, completely new, completely new. It's always been, you know, with, we had Charlie Stubbs before that, who I thought was a pretty good offensive mind um, under coach Cracksorp. And we were solid, you know, we were good football teams and stuff, but uh, it was completely different. You know, we were going to huddle, you know, and it was going to be, you know, some sort of motion in a trade and um, line up and figure out how to throw the ball to Garrett Mills or run inside zone out of, um, you know, 12 or 11, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't spread the ball um, way out and use the whole field and stuff like that. Our screen game was huge with, with stubs and stuff like that, but it was really, you know, huddle on two on two type of stuff, you know, <laughs> going yeah. from that to, <laughs> uh, going from that to um, signaling everything as fast as you can and lining up and snapping the ball was, was quite a change, you know? Um, I, I mean, I really, I, I remember the meeting when, when coach Graham got hired, he came in and he said, I can't tell you who your coordinator is, um, but he's a guy um, that's still playing football in the SEC. And all of us were trying to figure out who this guy was. We couldn't figure it out. We couldn't figure it out. We couldn't, I mean, it took us forever. And so about a week later, uh, they got done playing in the, I think the SEC championship with Felix Jones and Darren McFadden and all those guys. And uh, Malzahn shows up and um, has this weird idea that we're going to go two minutes the whole game. And, you know, we're all like, all right, well, this sounds a little crazy, but here we go. Um, so it was really different at the time. It was really exciting. Um, and, and Herb Hand, we got from West Virginia. And so we were blending the basically the West Virginia run game into Coach Malzahn's up-tempo, no-huddle scheme. Because um, I think before he got to Tulsa, he was always a gap scheme guy. You know, and it wasn't until Coach Hand that we became this really good zone-running team. Um, now, I could be wrong on that for sure, but um, – you know, that's the way I understand it. Is they kind of blended those two systems. Yeah, he was. They wanted. He was like one back power and buck sweep, wasn't he? For for the most part, Gus. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. He was going to be power counter and buck sweep. You know. Yeah. Um. So it it was a, it was quite a change for sure. 
quite a change. You know, he still called it the old Packer buck sweep. You know, that's how he described <laughs> described the play call. You know, we're going to run the old Packer buck sweep. And it was like, all right, well, sweet. Um, and, and Coach Malzahn, I think, would tell you that the way this thing started is he was a double wing guy when he started. Yeah. And basically he took the double wing and, and started using it all 33 or all 53 and a third, you know, and that's where you get the orbit motions and stuff like that, that he uses in the triple option game. Um, it's cause that all came from his double wing days. So super creative. Did you coach us? Did you notice a big difference in, cause this is what always, um, you know, excites me. I don't want to, you know, excites me is, um, is what the off season has to be to be able to run an up tempo offense like that. Did you did you notice while you were in it um, a big change in your off season? How you guys prepared in the off season for an up tempo uh, season compared to when you were you know huddling up? <laughs> well, there's a yeah, there was a huge huge story behind that. Actually, we we hired a strength guy who was an assistant coach, and he came in. And he put uh, basically by the end of summer, we had 25 guys in boots, um, all with stress fractures. And so he he didn't even make it through the season. Um, yeah, that'll get so we, fired we, quick. <laughs> Player safety's was, uh, number one. All right, here's your boot. <laughs> <laughs> we were. I mean, we had guys in more boots than, than you've ever seen in your life and hamstring pulls. And I mean, how we made it through the season is beyond me, but with just stress, I mean, we were doing plyos every day. It was oh. just insane. But, uh, <laughs> so he got fired about halfway through the end of the season. And then, uh, we brought our old strength coach back who, um, in my mind is, is the best, um, and Coach Grizz, and, and he came back, and, yeah, it was completely different the way we were training from 07 to 08 even um, and, and how fast we were going and our off seasons and what they looked like. I mean, Coach Coach Grizz was pretty keen on, you know, replicating, if you were an offensive guy, what that looked like and playing as many plays as we played back then. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what our training looked like. I mean, you might run 30-yard shuttles, but you're going to run, you know, 60 of them. Mm-hmm. Um with with the rest that you're going to get or whatever but um yeah so we so we definitely started training a different way which i i guarantee now you know it's probably nothing new for for most people i'm sure most colleges are doing the same thing that are going fast so but back then it was complete shock to us you know people were still running gassers and 110s and um all those types of things you know 300 yard shuttles and stuff that just wasn't you know 10 20 yard shuttles back then yeah, right, so. you guys got a you got a timed mile when you get here. Why? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that I was like, go ahead, Heinz. We did. We timed a mile. Yeah, we did time a mile for the first air strength coach got there. <laughs> that uh, that didn't last very long. So <laughs> there you go. Harp, we I was going to ask you. Man. Harp, I was going to ask you. I mean, so you played in the same kind of system, you know, obviously with with Summy and uh, and Kingsbury down there at Houston. Was it pretty similar to what Coach Heinz is saying? Yeah, it was, but but I didn't get to go through, you know, the change from, um, you know, and that's what's even cooler is, is that you had the same strength coach, you know, and, and how much he changed it up because as soon as I got to Houston, you know, they'd been doing it for whatever, two or three years. So they already had the system in. They had the same strength coach. He, You know, it was um, – guys weren't getting – I don't want to say we were weak necessarily, but we weren't strong and not real strong. And you could tell when we went and played the UCLA's and the – teams like that oh those guys are a lot bigger and stronger than we are you know but 
um, they weren't in nearly as good of football shape as we were as far as for how we were running our offense. You know, um, our offseason had to be up-tempo, had to be a lot of reps and, and, a, and little rest in between. Now, I don't think you can get as strong doing that, but, um, you know, we were obviously in pretty good shape and we were doing it in the Houston heat over the summer. So uh, it was exactly like, like Coach says, you know, we were doing a lot of reps. We were doing a ton of them and, and we were shortening down. I don't think we ever ran – we ran 100 yards a few times, you know, and, and we would time, you know, we'd have to do 1790s or something, I think, as offensive linemen. But for the most part, it was agilities or it was, you know, these 12 plays drive, 12 play drives that we called them, which were, in my opinion, the best thing you could do for football. You know, line up on the goal line and they say run 20 yards. And as soon as you get 20, then you got to get in a stance. And then he says 10 yards or, you know, however he breaks that up. But, you know, it's the most like a game. But that was the most fascinating to me was just, how much the offseason mattered to how we played in the season as far as how they built that up. Hell yeah, man. Love it. Coach Hines, you're now down there at uh, Missouri Southern. Uh, you're back in the college game. I know you kind of bounced around. You, know, you and I were GAs together at Tulsa, so we had to have some some really good times there at Tulsa. And, you know, we've been buddies ever since, <laughs> lived together. You know, what, what was it kind of yep. like having to, to, to hop back into to high school and then making the jump back into college? You know, what, what kind of went into that decision for you? Was it, was it hard to do? Was it a tough decision? Was it tough to kind of get past that high school stigma? Which, honestly, I think is getting more and more blurred by the day because, I mean, like a guy like Gus Malzahn, he got his start in high school. So I think it, it, it's starting to see where maybe the, the college ranks are much more respectful of some of these high school coaches. Yeah, there's there's good coaches wherever you coach, you know. Rowdy, you're in Oklahoma. You work with some of the best guys, you know, around. Yeah, um, no So, I mean, there's good coaching anywhere, you know. I put some of those high school guys up against, you know, anybody that is on our staff or, or you know, anybody that we play against week to week, I, I think. But, um, you know, leaving Tulsa, had an opportunity to basically go back home um, and coach high school ball at a high level. It was a good job at the time. I um, just wanted to get a job and get coaching, really, um, and, and learn, you know, and I think the best thing for me was I had the opportunity to make mistakes, you know, it was on mm-hmm. me to make those mistakes, and I, I think it's really hard to grow as a coach um, until you've made those mistakes when the when the bullets are flying, um, you know, and until you've done that, you don't know what that's like, but uh, – <laughs> It's 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 definitely a transition, you know, going from Division One football to high school football, just with the the level of athlete, you know, the kind of the saying is when you're high school coach, you've got a line of ten kids. Well, you might have three that can do it, two that can kind of do it, and five that can't do it at all, you mm-hmm. know. And in a Division One program, you've got a line of ten kids that seven can do it, two can kind of do it, and one can't do it, you know. Um, so it, it's a it's a different deal, but I I think you know you, you try to make the best of your personnel. Um, as you can, you know, and, and coaching's coaching. When the lights come on, I mean, it's it's football when the ball's kicked off. And, um, you know, I, I, the main reason I wanted to get back into college football was I liked the age group a little bit better, and I didn't like this, this building as much as, uh, um, as you know, as, as some do with teaching and whatever uh, goes into that. So uh, <laughs> You can say it. It's fine. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, you standing in front of a chemistry class, Walter, doesn't sound fun to me. Um, so. there, hey, there, there's days I question it too, man. <laughs> um, but that was basically what was kind of directing my decision. You know, when I was jumping back into it, 
Um, I got really lucky. Um, I did. I was trying to get back in and um, had been and, and thought I was going to get back in right away. Um, and you know how those decisions go and um, opportunities come and go uh, pretty quickly in this business and uh, just, just couldn't ever find the, the right job or the right um, school or whatever. And um, finally got an opportunity last year to go up to Augustana and was there for about six months before I got the call to come down here. And um, so I've moved, I already moved twice since, since I've been out of high school football, but uh, it was the right decision for me. And I think, you know, guys that are looking to go, I, the biggest thing is, you know, prove to yourself that you can coach number one, then, then start proving it to other people and, and keep your connections. Um, you know, that's one of my biggest regrets when I became a high school coach, I started losing connections. Um, you know, quickly because I didn't make the effort to go out of my way to keep them. Um, and so I got really lucky that, that I kept a couple of the right ones and that's how I got back in. So there's a lot of, a lot of truth in that. I know when you, uh, you really want to get back into it and you really want to try to move up in this world. I mean, we keep saying it and it's one of the nice things about social media, doing the podcast is you get to really expand your network and you really got to kind of put yourself out there. And I like what you said about, you know, hey, you're you're gonna make some mistakes, and you're and you're gonna you're gonna find yeah. out, and you're gonna learn learn from those mistakes. But you still have to go through those experiences, and and you gotta have you know kind of a risk taking mind. You know, if you're gonna be a college coach, you gotta take some risks. You gotta move some places maybe you don't want to move. Same thing if you want to be a good offensive coordinator or a play caller, you gotta take some risks. You know, I mean, yep. it just comes with the territory. If you kind of sit there in your little your comfort zone, you know, you said it, you ain't gonna grow. Right. Yeah. And I, and then you got to look for opportunities, especially, you know, I get it. It's hard to, to grade papers every night and still try to improve your craft, you know, but you got to go out, you got to study and you got to learn what other people are doing and how to do something better, you know, whether it's a technique, a play, a, a design, even a structure, you know, what does a process look like and, and how can you grow your process? So it Coach, sounds you, basic and easy, but it's not. What do you think that the, the, um, you know, you said you wish you would have kept your connections a little bit uh, better while you were still in the high school ranks. What do you wish that you maybe would have done a little more specifically as far as how would you have, how do you think you, you should have maybe kept those connections going? Because I think that's kind of a, a hard question that some coaches, you know, kind of ask themselves. And then also you don't want to look like a, uh, uh, I don't have a better word for it, but you don't want to be a dick jumper with these uh, college coaches, you know, but you do want to still keep that connection. <laughs> Well, you know who your friends are, you know, and, and you know uh, the guys in the hireable positions as well. So to me, um, you know, the guys I GA'd for who, who knew me and stuff like that, and, and then my former coaches, I didn't keep up with them as well as I should have. Um, you know, guys like Coach Malzahn, uh, who I always enjoyed and respected, and, um, you know, I didn't keep up with those guys, and, and I regret it to this day, you know. Um, Mike Norvell didn't keep up with him a ton when I graduated. Um, you know, and Coach Blankenship was my position coach, and that's the one guy that, that got me the job, you know. But I did keep up with Coach Blank um, year in and year out and, and, you know, kept in touch. And it's nothing big. It's just a text message of, hey, Coach, what's going on? You know, how are things? Congrats on the win. Stuff like that. You know, just keep the, your name in front of them as, as easy as that sounds or – as cheesy as that sounds, but that's, that's the real case, you know? And then once you make friends, you know, like me and Walsh still talk, you know, at least once a month, I would say. And, yeah, no um, doubt. you know, and those type of connections that the guys that you did with, I mean, Jason Seymour, um, 
you know, is at Temple now and uh, keeping those type of connections that, that uh, you know, guys that, that moved on and, and uh, you know, kind of are making a name for themselves. And uh, But I didn't do that with a lot of guys that, that I coached under and guys that are a lot of different places that I've now got back into touch with. But uh, for about a couple of years there, I mean, I didn't text them, didn't call them, didn't write them, didn't send them an email or nothing, you know, so – for all they knew, I was selling cars, you know, so um, they're not going to check up on you because they're busy. So it's your job to kind of check in and make sure they know what you're doing. And, uh, you know, it'll work both ways once they once they know what you're doing and what you're trying to do. So. Heinz, you talk about making the transition to I know, you know, you you played receiver, you had, you had coached receivers, you'd coach quarterbacks in past game. And now I know you've kind of had to transition a little bit to coach uh, some tight ends. So now you're getting into some, some offensive line play, some blocking, some run yep. game fits. How, how's that transition been for you? And then talk a little bit about that in terms of your growth, maybe as, you know, a, a future play caller or something like that down the road. Awesome. Awesome. You know, the one thing that I was blessed with my last year at Tulsa um, is Brent Guy put me in charge of the, the scout team. He brought me over from offense, put me in charge of the scout team and said, we need a no huddle scout team. Um, we got to go fast. You figure it out. Ready, go. <laughs> um, and so I learned offensive line play, at least where guys were supposed to be targeted to uh, through that, um, you know, and that, that was my challenge. And then from there, um, you know, I at least knew where we were supposed to go when I started coaching tight ends and stuff like that. But the technical side of it, I had never uh, dove into really uh, all that much. You know, so there was a lot of a lot of video, a lot of uh, talking with people. Um, you had done it, Walls. I think we connected at one point. There's a there's a guy up in, in Sioux Falls that I kind of connected with that had played in the NFL a little bit. Uh, you know, and then just talking to other coaches. I was up at CU one day and trying to talk to them and. Um, you know, kind of figuring out what what uh, um, what to do so you don't get to work on your first day and look like an idiot. You know, um, so but it was a uh, it was huge for my growth. Uh, you kind of understand what the what the mentality is at at that position. You know, because they all think of themselves as receivers more than uh, offensive linemen, and um, you know, so you kind of got to get it through their head that they're going to block too. So um, you know, but it was a huge opportunity for me to learn and grow and. Um, something that you know I'll never never take back for sure what's a way that that you know that you've done a good job you think of of trying to drill that in their head that they're off you know they're blocking guys too because you know they all want to catch I'm sure 80 touchdowns a a year but they've also got to be able to you know put their hand in the dirt and, and go block somebody so how how do you you know form that in their minds or through practice that hey you guys are going to be blocking as well well, I think that the main thing is there is that's got to be come from the culture of your program is where it starts, you know, the unselfishness and stuff like that. It's got to start at the top, um, you know, and if you once you've established that unselfish culture and that selfless culture of uh, there's only one ball and there's going to be, you know, six guys that can carry it on a play, um, you know, so you're not going to touch the ball more than three or four times a game at the most, um, you know, and so once you've kind of drilled that in their head and then understand where the play is supposed to go and, and what progression they are, if it's a pass and um, how you're going to help the team, then hopefully you've recruited the right guys to come in and, and be a part of that, you know, and you kind of, um, but a lot of that's built on the culture of your program. And I think once guys understand that, um, you know, we struggled on this last year, but 
winning's a whole lot more fun than losing. And once you buy into the culture of that and, <laughs> and being selfless, and, then you got a chance, you know. And, uh, um, you know, tight ends, especially in the college game, aren't, aren't known for catching 10, 12 balls a game. You know, we don't have Gronkowski. And um, so they got to find their niche. And, and one of Coach Johnson's things up here, Walls, as you've heard this a million times before, is a tight end, you better help us in the run game because we'll always find a better receiver than you. Um, <laughs> exactly right. He said that all the time. <clears throat> so um, kind of drill that in their head that if they can't block, they don't play. So I love that. And we, I even liked, you know, just a couple of the, the little things you, you just kind of drop in there that was subtle. Um, one thing was, okay, you guys are always going to meet with the offensive line first. So I think that kind of told them, like, yep. hey, you're, you're an honorary offensive lineman first, and then we'll go through route yep. stuff later on. And then another thing we always did yeah. is, is even, you know, you'd put up the, the practice schedule and you'd, you'd have your list of what you're doing for Indy and stuff like that. We always put them right next to the offensive line, too, on the sheet instead of over by the receivers. So I think just little things like that, letting them know, like, dude, you're, you're an O-lineman first, basically, but we put an, an 80 jersey on you. And every now and again, we're going to throw yeah. you the ball. So I think those are a lot of, a lot of good things that you can do to, to get those guys to think, you know, no block, no rock. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> exactly right. So, well, and you've seen some of these maybe not super freak athletic tight ends. Um, you know, make the switch into tackle. And some of those are the best tackles that you see uh, in the NFL now. You know, with uh, I think Lane Johnson, I think he was a quarterback first, but then a tight end, then they, you know, bumped him in. Now he's a super athletic tackle. So, um, you know, you see that a lot. I know that, that's only one person, but, you know, there's quite a few of them. Nate, Nate uh, Solder. Yeah. yeah. Nate Solder was one at Colorado um, who was a tight end and, and going to get cut. They were going to cut a scholarship. So – and then Denver got a hold of him. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It was always, it was always kind of close to Denver's heart too, because Denver started out as a tight end. Yeah. And he ended, he ended exactly up becoming right. a becoming a tackle as well. So it's kind of easy for him to be able to tell his story as well. Yep. <clears throat> the guy we had on from uh, from Denver Walls. Yeah, Mark Cooper. Cooper, yeah, Cooper started as a tight end at Miami and and ended up being a tackle. So it's always cool cool when you see those guys make that transition in, and now they're they were a bottom of the barrel or medium athletic tight end, and now they're a freak athletic uh, tackle, and you know put a little weight on them, and and it's kind of fun seeing that that switch. Hines, talk no a little bit about a little bit about <laughs> recruiting. I know that's one thing that it seems like it's kind of a polarizing thing, right? It's like Roe versus Wade. Are you pro-life or pro-choice? It's like, do you love recruiting or do you not? So, I mean, where, where, where do you kind of sit on that? Obviously, I know you love recruiting. So, talk a little bit about having to kind of make that transition and going out because that also helps you with your networking skills as well. Yeah, I love it just because, number one, I like being on the road. Um, you know, for, for me, you get done with the season – or whatever, and you're just kind of ready to get away from people. Um, and you kind of sit in your car for about, you know, 30 minutes at a time while you're driving between schools and just have some you time, you know. So I'm, I kind of dig that. But number two, I like I like just talking ball with coaches and get in front of coaches and seeing what they're doing. And then, you know, once you start getting in front of kids, I think, uh, you know, with winter recruiting and stuff, uh, there's nothing better than getting to know a kid. And I think um, the adrenaline of the chase, you know, it's, it's like – it's like chasing females, you know, when you're in college and stuff like that. It's always the adrenaline of the chase, you know. Can yeah. I get this to happen? And uh, um, it's pretty cool, um, you know, to start at the beginning and then go home and meet their parents and, 
you know, try to get them on a campus visit and, you know, you're fighting your butt off to try to get a kid to, to commit. And when he finally commits and then ultimately signs the papers, I mean, to me, there's nothing better than that gratification of that. You know, there's just nothing better. I don't think, um, and it's the ultimate chase, I think. And, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to be a good coach when you got good players. So, um, <clears throat> I, I, it's something that, uh, you know, coming from the program where we're at, you know, we kind of have no choice, um, but to get better in recruiting. And that's one thing that we try to do this, this year is make sure that we were grinding and, and <laughs> we finished with four coaches on the road and signed a class of 35 kids. So, um, you know, it was, it was pretty exciting. I thought this year, um, just getting on the road and recruiting, getting in front of people and talking to them and trying to sell yourself, you know, and I, I think, you know, I, people fall into the trap of, of the, you know, cheesiness of being fake and telling lies and all that and, and selling it for more than what it is. And I, I'm, um, I mean, you know me pretty well, Walzer, and I'm going to tell you straight up what it looks like and what it's going to be and what yeah. to expect. And you kind of sell it that way and, and uh, you know, believe as long as you believe in yourself and show that you believe in yourself, kids will believe in you. Uh, you know, and all kids want to do is an opportunity to compete and you can convince them that they're going to compete and, and uh, that you're going to, that you're going to love on them a little bit while they're there, then you're good to go. So. And I, I always like to meet you're, you're coming from a place, you know, there, I, I could wear an OU polo and I could bring in, I, I could be one of the top 25 recruiters in the country. I honestly think that because I have, I'm wearing an OU polo. If I wear a Nebraska polo, things like that. To me, I always had more respect yep. for the guys, you know, that like you being at Missouri Southern, not coming off the season you guys want but having to go out there and being able to sell these kids on a vision, sell these kids on, Hey, here's how things are going to get done to me. That's 65 times harder than it is to wear one of those big time polos, walk into an office and everyone's like, Oh, oh yeah, I can go play there. Well, you know, to me, there's a lot of guys that can get that done. There's not a lot of guys who will grind it out and, and really have to go, as you said, sell yourself and then sell, Hey, something that's not there right now, but we know it's going to be. Yeah, like Dave Johnson, when he was here, he was, you know, telling the story of in 01, Tulsa football was 1-11, and you know, and then they're in 02, they were, you know, 0-11 uh, or whatever they were. So they were a year away from dropping football. And so that's kind of the, the sell that, that David Johnson started selling here is, is, you know, be a part of the turnaround that, that those teams are plastered on the wall in the case center you know, be a part of that and what that's like and the opportunity to turn a program around and, you know, you'll forever um, be on the walls and be enshrined at that program and sell that dream, number one, and then, you know, sell you. And, and I'm a big time, you know, relationship coach and, and believe that relationships are the most important deal in this thing. And uh, yeah. if you can sell that to kids and get them to believe in that, then, um, then the kids will come, in my opinion. Well, and the I, right I kids think will come. I think yeah. you can tell a lot by a college coach, you know, as, as far as the high school coach, and I've seen a bunch come in and you do a great job of it, but um, uh, of there's either one way or the other, it's a coach that really loves football and you can tell really enjoys kids and wants to be around them and, and will go into a, to a room of, of high school coaches and, and will talk football with them, you know, and is excited. And then there's the other guy that kind of wants to look at his phone and you can tell hates that he, that he's there. And, and it's a really obvious um, one way or the other. And, and I, you know, something I stole from Walls, and uh, I try to ask a college coach when they come in, and, and something that Coach Wilkinson does really well at Broken Arrow, and so he does it now for me. But uh, that I stole from Walls is, you know, ask those college coaches, "Hey, coach, draw up this or or draw something up for me." And there's, you know, about the half of them that'll 
kind of brush you off and don't want to talk to you. And then there's another half that you can tell just love football and love being around around the game and love being around kids or anyone else that wants to talk football. And I think that puts a really good foot forward for those coaches in those schools as well. No doubt. No doubt. You know, there's always the quota guys, right? You know, I'm going to hit 22 schools on Tuesday and you're like, okay, well, you're going to spend about six minutes a pop there. Right. Um, you know, for me, for me, it's like if I get caught up at a school and spend four hours, you know, talking whatever with, the broken arrow staff and I'm okay with that you know finishing up my my schools the next day or whatever whenever I get to it you know it can always wait and that's um that's kind of the the deal in my opinion it's just more about building a relationship with coaches and kids than it is about you know trying to hit 35 schools in a week I couldn't agree more I mean I, I agree <clears throat> obviously 100% with Harper because honestly I, I stole that idea from coach Trimble and I'd asked him about it and he's like well hey you know these guys want to get our kids. He's like, we should get something out of the deal too. You know, Hey, they're supposed to be the experts. They should be edu educating me on things. And he'd always say, you know, you could tell a lot about the coaches that will stay and, and say something and the ones that won't. So, I mean, he's kind of like, okay, this guy, this guy must know what he's talking about or he's a giver. So to me, it was always kind of a, a subtle way to be able to see who's really interested in you and then who's really not. So I really like that. And then, I don't know who doesn't like talking football. If you don't like talking football, why are you coaching college ball? Because that's all you're doing. So I mean, it, it would always tell me a lot about that person, man. So I don't even know if you remember this, Walls, but but BG used to do a deal that right before we hit the road in the spring, he would make the defensive staff clinic. Um, so he made sure those D line guys could talk secondary play if they had to. Yeah. Um, going into a school, and mm -hmm. I always thought that was brilliant. You know, I mean to make some of those guys get in there and, and draw up the whole defense and how they're fitting stuff and the whole thing. I always thought that was a great idea that, that Brent did when, when we were at Tulsa together. So. I've, I thought Brent did a lot of cool stuff. He was the first one, like, remember when he had you and I self-scout his defense before we're going into the, yeah. into the bowl game. That was the other thing I love that he did too. Like, hey, Walls, I want to know all of my tendencies. So I, I always thought he was kind of ahead of the game on that, or at least he'd, he'd learn from some really good guys, you know, being at, at Boise State, being at Arizona State. No doubt. No doubt. One of the best to work for, for sure. Hines, tell me some GA stories. What were some of your favorite ones? I mean, you and I lived together. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but we had a GA house just south of <laughs> – we probably can't tell most of the stories, but just south of the, the park there, and we had a pool in the back. And my wife still makes fun of me to this day because I think we did a pretty good job taking care of that pool for about the first, I don't know, six, seven months. And then that thing looked fluorescent, fluorescent green because there's so much algae in that sucker. We, we spent like $400 trying to get that pool cleaned at some point. And it probably would have been a little easier keeping up with it. But, you know, 14-hour days didn't do it, so. Uh, no. uh, favorite GA stories. You remember the first team camp, Walzer? And we had water duty. Were you there yet for this? I wasn't there yet for that. Luckily, that's what you guys all said. You're like, Walls, man, you dodged a bullet because I got there like right in August when Morsi left. So, and li <laughs> literally, I was funny because I was telling the story too. You know, Bill's like, all right, yeah, hey, you're hired. So I literally started working the day of my interview. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, we, God dang. We had that summer camp and we had 
those two fields that were like a quarter, half a mile apart, probably half a mile, I would say, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and we had, we had, I think we had three GAs at the time that were in charge of all the water for like 14 teams in this team camp. And it was 104 degrees outside or whatever it was, you know, <laughs> uh, tree is screaming that there's not enough water and Biggs just lost it on him in the middle of team camp, in the middle of all those high school coaches and just couldn't stand it. And Pete <laughs> pulled him aside and started, started telling him how he, how to act in the middle of team camp. There was like a father bringing his son over in the middle of a, you know, middle of a mall or something. Oh my God, never last hour of my life. But that was always a classic. We're going to have Bigelow on next Monday, so I'll have to ask him about that one. God dang. He started screaming at Tree, and, you know, Pete brings him over and starts telling him he can't do that. There's a lot of coaches here and this and that. And, oh, my God, that was that was always a good one. Um, I remember the one when yeah. – the, the weekends were always the worst because, you know, obviously as a GA, you're kind of like, you look forward to the weekends. Maybe you get a little bit of time off once the season was done. Well, then you started having the official visits. So that was when yeah. you, you, me, Biggs, Blake, we were the official door openers for everybody. You know, every, we, it, was, yeah. it was such a pristine place. We had to have butlers for every door. You know, they couldn't touch a door <laughs> at, at Tulsa. So you... <laughs> So you and me had to like stand outside of everyone. So you're like on a walkie talkie, like, okay, Hey, we're going to this hall. You guys got to open up the Southeast doors, you know? So you'd have to have those things open. So we had to do that the whole time. Then of course, what do they do after signing day? Then it's clinic season. So now they have the, the coaches clinic. Junior, uh, junior days. Ju- junior yeah. days. Oh, oh, oh dude, don't even get me started on the junior day. But dude, the freaking, the, I just remember when you and I, when you and I finally had had enough, we had, you know, all those recruiting visits <laughs> And then we had to do the coaches clinic and then tree. Remember you, what you and I did instantly like walls yeah, parking lot. Let's go. We went golfing immediately. Cause we haven't been playing golf and God knows how long. So Heinz and I hop in the vehicle and trees like starts texting us on the, on the first hole. Hey, where are you guys at? Heinz is just teed off. Have fun tree. <laughs> <laughs> We're about four beers deep on the way there. Yeah, it Couldn't was. Yeah. Bunch of stress relief on that. We played like forty-two holes. It was a blast. <laughs> well, yeah, junior, junior day. So then, yeah. So then we go junior day. And remember, uh, what's his face? Malone had sent out. God knows how many invites. That was the biggest. Jun- that might have been the biggest junior day in the history of America. There was like eight hundred and forty yeah. guys that showed up at junior day. Harp. And I think we'd offered. I think we'd offered four. <laughs> <laughs> so dude, it's it's like dude, they're just like herding people through and you're having to like tell them about the new scoreboard and the new press box and Jeez. all right here comes another group of 100 here comes another group like oh my god <laughs> and every kid's like hey do you know hey do you know where uh, van malone is he invited me to this thing they're all looking for van malone <laughs> did he call you by himself uh yeah i got this letter from him oh yeah me too <laughs> Hey, one of the uh, one of the best pranks we did, Walzer. I don't know if you remember this, but the Central Oklahoma job came open. Oh, I remember that and one. Yeah. That, be, was, that, that was that was you thought, and me. <laughs> yeah, we thought it'd be funny, and, and BG was in on it. He, he was. thought it'd be funny if we put Jess Lepp, um 
call into the scoop and say Jess Lepp's the new head coach at Central Oklahoma, according to sources. <laughs> well, we think it's hilarious, you know, and we walk in the next day and die in laughing. And uh, Bill comes in. Bill didn't think it was funny. Bill had received like 80 phone calls and text messages about the safeties job that wasn't open. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how fast word travels in that business because yeah everybody instantly you know they see an opening like hey bill i heard there's a safeties job like what what are you talking about <laughs> and of course he hadn't talked to lep so he's like of course we tell him finally and he's like okay i'll play along with it and then he kind of sweats lep on it like bill i swear to god i didn't apply i haven't talked to anyone there <laughs> i mean he just goes in complete back metal back pedal mode and while he's in there that was when you and I, uh, BG told us, hey, go Walls, go get a box. So we set up a box and we had a bunch of stuff like we'd already started oh moving out of his stuff out of his office. <laughs> oh, my we were, God. We were ruthless. That was a fun group, though. You got to admit, I keep telling people, you know, everyone's like, you know, hey, you know, you talk a lot about your GA days. I mean, those are our brothers for life. I mean, it's it's almost kind of like you're, you're going oh to gosh. battle together. I mean, you you, you – you're sleeping in the office together. You, you, you buy a house together and you're living together, you know, to try to save money. And I mean, the, the brotherhood and the stuff that you get, you know, you guys are all at Grooms's wedding and he has me go be, you know, uh, uh, an usher in the wedding. And I'd known Grooms for a year, you know, but I mean, those right. are the, those are the kind of tight relationships you end up having from, from doing some of those things. So when people ask me if they want a GA, I mean, number one oh. thing, you got to love it, you know, and, and, yeah. and honestly, the the rewards that you get out of it are really really good. I, I loved it. No doubt, no doubt. Those are going to be the guys that, that you form the the best bonds with for sure. You know, I remember I got to the I got to the new GA house my first day there, and Tyler Carlton had just left to go to Clemson, right? Yep. And uh, I walk in, and Tyler's like, "No, you got my bed, whatever, whatever. I'll come back and grab it." um here in another couple months he's like your room's mine that you know i walk in and this guy's passed out on my bed and i'm like who is this guy <laughs> and uh it was it was bigelow it was bigelow you know and he gets <laughs> up and and junior day's like legitimately the next day and hey how are you great to see you buddy how are you oh my <laughs> gosh look at this stuff and does all the cheesy stuff and morsey <laughs> looks at biggs and goes is this how you really act? <laughs> and he does. That is how he acts, really. Yes, it is. It is. But it's like, good God. All right. Well, we're working together now. So You don't have to recruit me. I'm already here, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was one of Tulsa. I didn't get I didn't get many letters from Tulsa, but I don't know who the, the guy that snuck around and did this, but it was brilliant. Uh, it looked just like a handwritten letter but it was typed up when I looked at it uh, further. And I couldn't believe I never got that from any other colleges, but uh, whoever did that needs to sell that as a prototype because that was, <laughs> that was very well done. Well, Heinz will tell you my first day on the job, like I said, I interviewed, got the job <laughs> and I was there. <clears throat> I, I won't name who the coach was, but uh, he, he'd done a clinic, clinic talk, uh, Harp. And he had all these coaches, you know, so he'd send out his, his DVDs and he'd, 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 you know, thank them all. So he'd have all these thank you letters that he had pre-made. So it was like, I don't know, 150 thank you letters. He'd said, hey, coach, thanks for showing up. Thanks, thanks. So he'd have all their contact info. 
Well, he didn't want to sign all those. So guess who had to sign his name on every single one of those? So I made it. I made it. I made it. I made it. Yeah, I go, I, I want your name on the board. I go, because if I'm going to write your name, I want to do the best job that I possibly can. So I, like, I was like practicing his autograph and stuff. And I literally, I'm not kidding. I did. I did all 150 of those and I walked them into his office and I said, don't ever ask me to do that again. And I walked out <laughs> first day on the job. Gosh. Denver wasn't very happy about yeah. that. No, no, we probably said some things too that, you know, I'd probably take back. Oh, there's uh, no doubt. Especially, especially in the recruiting meetings, Walzer. So. <laughs> yeah. The, I, I probably opened my mouth a few times that I shouldn't have there, but I couldn't help it. I think, at, I think, at, I think at that point I kind of knew that I wasn't going to get, get a job. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going back to high school. I learned my offensive line play. I'm good. <laughs> but, oh my but, gosh. but seriously, I mean, honestly, what a, what a fun staff to, to work with. And you still get the chance to talk to a lot of those dudes. I mean, you know, those are stories I'll laugh about for the next 30, 40 years just because, you know. Oh, my gosh. At the yeah, time, I mean. guy leaving camp and bringing a case of beer to the pool, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. What yeah, full-time I mean, guy comes to the GA house, you know, stuff like that I'll just never forget. Yeah, that's camp. <laughs> yeah, those guys would, like, lock the door and they'd be like, all right, I want to hear some GA stories, you know, because we always, we always had the, the most fun. You know, the, the stuff we got no to doubt. do on the, on the road, you know, everyone's like, God, why do you guys want to go out when you're on the road? Well, I don't do anything all week. <laughs> I'm in the office. It's like, this is the only right. free time I have. I have, you know, seven hours the night before we, we play a game because everyone else is going to bed, you know, go do bed checks and hang out for a while. So no doubt, no doubt. Great times. So. So, sorry there, Harp. We had to kind of go back and reminisce a little bit. No, that that's great. I love to hear it. I was going to say, you must've had like, an eight-story house because I think we've had 18 different coaches on here that you've GA'd with and they've all lived in the house. <laughs> I think we did. Was... It was just a revolving door. It was a revolving <laughs> door of coaches. Harp. Harp, I got a story, man. When, you, when we played y'all on 11, right? Now, you probably remember this game of TU. You guys were undefeated. Yeah, we were at right? TU. That was um, I got destroyed by your freak defensive end. So I do remember that game. <laughs> He's still playing. Don't yeah. worry about it. He's My still back playing. still hurts from being put on it. <laughs> uh, we, checked, we checked zero on a fourth and one. And uh, Kingsbury calls timeout. And then you guys checked to an inside fade to, to Carrier. And Keenum threw it on a dime to beat us. I don't know if you remember that at all. I don't. I do. Fourth and, one, fourth and one, fourth and one, going north. Yeah, and it was it was less than fourth and one. I mean, like literally, like yes. fourth and six inches, and you guys threw through the freaking bomb <laughs> for a touchdown. That sounds about right. great. Uh, I bet God Case, I bet Case checked it. He got to do whatever he wanted to do. Good, it was good, I don't know. Whatever it was, yeah, against our – I think our worst cover corner out there, too. I mean, it was perfect. It was yeah. perfect. We had, we had what some, a call. We had some good ones uh, made for that offense, just short, fast guys that, you know, Carrier I don't think was highly recruited. Our other guy, Patrick Edwards, who set some record at receiver, he had no offers coming out of high school, just fast. He's a walk-on. Yeah, he's a walk-on. He's, walk he's the one that broke his leg at Marshall 
over that uh, bandstand. That's right. Yeah, he, I forgot you know, about that. Destroyed his leg. He was out for a year, and uh, you know we've got some pretty good track coaches at Houston, but um, you know some Olympians and stuff, and they retaught <laughs> him how to run when he was you know getting back into it from his broken leg, and um, you know made they say it made him a lot faster, which he was already obviously really fast, but. Um, that was a fun game. That I always thought that uh, I was really good. Our offensive line was really good. But come to find out in the next couple of years that uh, Case was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That might he be the under. Yeah. He made us all seem really good. We were really high on ourselves at that point. <laughs> that God might dang. be the understatement of all podcasts right there. <laughs> we got brought down God. on our level uh, quickly the next year. <clears throat> well, gee, I thought he was, Hines, I, killed us next year. Yeah, they were pissed off. And we well, had a we had an offensive line coach that was an ex-military guy, and we were in these gray uniforms. And the next day, we got beat by Tolson. He's like, "You guys looked really good getting your ass kicked in those fancy effing uniforms." <laughs> Jesus. We didn't pick the uniforms, coach. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> We don't want to get our ass kicked. We didn't pick the uniforms, but you're right. <laughs> God dang. And then uh, you guys uh, also had a big – you guys had a big heavy set linebacker, and he never shut up. I don't know what his name was, but he's a – Sean, Sean, Sean Jackson. Jackson. Pretty fat – I would say fat for a linebacker, but uh, he was good. Yeah. He was good, and he never shut up. He talked the entire time. <laughs> remember remember – uh, <laughs> That sounds about right. <laughs> I remember Coach Guy had to do always do the class checks with him. Remember, remember what his trick was? He just said he uh-huh. just sent the same the same the same selfie picture of him in the same classroom every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Coach, I'm in class. I'm like, BG, that says like that says like December on that thing. <laughs> oh no, nah, he's in there. He's in there, Waltz. He's in there. All right. <laughs> he graduated. He did. Oh, he, he was yeah, he was good. Great. But I just remember for a while there was classic. That's great. Oh. No doubt. Oh, nothing worse Hilarious. than when than when you when you heard there was a um there was gonna be a class check and you just saw fifty guys sprinting the class from the from the dorm. So was, you, you knew what was going on if that many guys were headed to class. No books, no nothing. They were just running with, with towels on their head just to keep from sweating and they're sprinting down to the class. <laughs> what, is, what they we had the the golf cart or whatever that those guys had, had given Bill. So it was like the Coach Blankenship <laughs> golf cart <laughs> had all these logos and stuff on it. So we'd be driving that around campus, and they'd all be like taking pictures of it, saying, "Yeah, they're out checking class." Yeah, so we, had right. that, we had that <laughs> golf cart out. A bright blue golf cart rolling through campus. <laughs> Hey, hey, we had to use it. We didn't have enough money to pay for gas. Yeah, yeah. And then, do you remember like all the screws were loose on it, so something was always breaking on it and stuff every every other week, and never worked. We never charged it. And I mean, <laughs> god dang. Yeah. Hey, who forgot to charge the golf cart? I don't know. I didn't drive it. <laughs> Just magically didn't work. I don't know. <laughs> Trying to take it to Quick Trip every other day, and yeah. <laughs> Drive it over to Burnco and get some barbecue. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Good times, man. Shoot. Oh, I, I could sit there and laugh all night, man. 
Well, Coach Harp's always no got doubt. a question that he that he asks you guys as we, we wind down here coming up on an hour. So I'll let I'll let Harp ask you, Heinz. But dude, this has been a blast. Yeah, Coach. Yeah, so, no doubt. I've, I've enjoyed it. So when when, we, when you're watching another offense, you're watching the offensive line uh, of another team. What's something that offensive line would do that would make you think really highly of their offensive line, Coach? You know, do, do they look in sync really with their steps? Um, is the first thing. Um, if I'm watching an offensive line that, you know, can zone together and combo together and work to the next level together or, you know, double team and, and get displacement and all that, and they, and they look in sync um, is the first thing that, that tells me they know what they're doing, they know where they're going, at least schematically, you know, they're targeted correctly. Um, you know, I think is the first thing that stands out on film. And then in pass pro, do they move together, you know, um, <clears throat> is, is something that stands out, I believe. Um, you know, do they, do they know exactly where they're going? Can they pass off twists? Can they, um, can they pick up blitzes? You know, even if they're completely overmanned or anything like that, as long as, you know, they're, they're getting to the right guys and stuff like that, you can tell that they've been coached. Make sure and check those guys out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.